Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Oh, Father, we just bless you, Lord. We such a joy to come into your house, Lord. You say that we, um, we're two or more gathering in your name. There you are also, Lord. And it's, it's exciting for us to be able to meet with you, Lord. And oh, we just honor you as, as the King of Kings, Lord, and the Lord of Lords. And, um, yeah, I just even commit this word to you, Father God. I, yeah, Lord, I pray that what, what will be said will be said, and what will be heard will be heard um, according to your will, Father God, um, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I had an interesting night on, on Monday night. Um, I, I remember during the day, I really, I really missed Lauren. Um, Lauren is my wife. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, sp- specifically, I mean, generally that's wonderful, but specifically because we haven't been seeing much of each other. <laughs> I mean, we're seeing much of each other, but um, Benjamin, our oldest son, is now about 21 months old, and, and Caleb is now about seven weeks old. Um, so that, that um, requires some time and attention. <laughs> and uh, I was just missing connecting with Lauren. I was missing talking to her and, you know, sharing my day with her and hearing about her day and just that safe space of, of sharing life, you know. And um, I put, I well, bath Benjamin in the evenings and I put him to bed and I did it that evening. Um, and when I put him into bed, I, I sort of lay with him for a while. I, I usually lay with him for a while until he falls asleep. And he just wouldn't fall asleep uh, for no apparent reason. And um, I, was like, I was like dreaming about this precious half hour that I have with Lauren during the day. Because I usually end with that routine around 7.30. And then by 8 o'clock, Lauren is, is a zero. Um, she's very tired, so she goes off to bed. Um, and I was just seeing this half an hour becoming shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> and I got so frustrated with Benjamin, which I know now is irrational. But at that time... <laughs> At that point in time, I was very angry with him. I was like, why are you deliberately withholding? <laughs> so I wasn't quite thinking straight. But um, I, wanted to, I wanted to just control him, you know. I wanted to just, like, make him sleep. I was like, sleep now, you know. <laughs> and um, I, 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 eventually I just got up and I walked out and he started crying. And I said to Lauren, I don't know what's going on. This is not working. I just want to spend time with you. <laughs> And then I went back, and um, then Lauren, I guess, discerned that I was not in a healthy space to put a child to bed. <laughs> so, so she came in, and she, um, she sort of took over, which was good. I, I was like, no, I want to get this right. You know, I want to finish what I started. Um, and she was like, no, no, you go have dinner. Um, I'll do this. And so she took over, and I... Had dinner by myself. I had some time to cool off, um, and then, yeah, I was really bummed, you know, that I didn't get to have that time with Lauren. And I went to she eventually settled in, and um, I went to her to go lie with her in bed a little bit later, as she was desperately trying to stay awake for a few minutes to, um, you know, just chat. And I, I lay there, and I, I realized in that moment that. What I was experiencing, Lauren, wasn't going to fulfill. You know, as much as I love her and as much as she's 
Yeah, my best friend here on earth, and I value our connection, and, and she's a safe space for me. That's what I'm experiencing now, and I, I remember saying to her, you know, part of my heart just, just longs to go home, which was strange. I hadn't, that's not something I, I premeditated. It's not something I thought about before I said it, but it sort of just came out. And then, um, then, yeah, then the, the, um, the waters came down. I don't know. <laughs> I started um, cr- weeping quite, quite violently. Um, yeah, and, and I'm still, I still don't completely understand what happened there, but there, something happened there, and it was an incredibly intimate experience. Um, but there was this longing, and I acknowledged that longing, and then this happened. And um, so I think Lauren, for the first few minutes, this went on for about half an hour. For the first few minutes, Lauren was just trying to figure out, like, what is, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> I, I thought things were going okay. <laughs> so, um, but then eventually she realized something else was going on. So, so thank, uh, thank the Lord for a woman with intuition. And, um, but I was surprised. I was surprised by this. And I, I thought about this experience afterwards. And I thought it's, it's strange because um, I don't mean to boast by what I'm going to say now, but... I, I'm, really, I'm really actually quite content at the moment um, in life. I, th- there are no major, um, like, unfulfilled desires or needs for right now that I'm desperately holding out for. I, I really, while our marriage is far from perfect, it's, it's a fulfilling marriage. Um, we recently moved into a beautiful home in, 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 in a dream neighborhood of ours. Um, I have these two amazing boys who are healthy. I enjoy them. They're beautiful. They're growing strong. They're developing. Stuff at work is going well. I'm enjoying my work. I'm growing. I, I'm experiencing such favor at work. Um, and so it was strange. I think, if, I think if one of those things were not, if it was a challenging time at work or if our marriage was going through a difficult time, I would have said that longing is for that to be fixed. But, but that's sort of all sorted. Um, not perfect, like I say, but but at a place of contentment. Um, and so th- it, it was strange for me. And so th- what I'm going to share is not, um, I'm not going to share only my, on my experience, but this experience pushed me to search the word of God and to pray and to help, ask him to help me make sense of, of sort of what happened there. And I want to I wanna share on that tonight. Um, and in my, in my searching, I came across this term called um, alienation. That is something that um, Karl Marx and someone called Martin Heidegger spoke about. Now, Karl Marx, um, father of communism, um, Martin Heidegger was a philosopher and, and he did a lot of research on psych- uh, psychology and he um, was a, also a, a fascist sympathizer. Um, so very, very different guys, very different trains of thought, both not religious guys, so they're not speaking from a spiritual point of view, but they said... You can't really understand the human condition, um, being human, without understanding this concept of alienation. Right? Um, and they, they define alienation as the feeling of being estranged, the sense that we are not at home in the world. And they say that this is something that people all across the world experience. No matter your convictions, no matter your... Um, views, the sense of alienation, maybe not all the time, maybe sometimes more intense than others, but this feeling of being estranged, this feeling of it's not quite, 
surely this can't be home, right? If you think about um, this analogy, you know, imagine going to Mars, right? And it's not so difficult to imagine these days with all the movies that are about going to Mars. So imagine you're Matt Damon in the Martian and um, you step out and imagine you don't have that oxygen, right? You're going to experience, your lungs are going to experience alienation um, <laughs> as soon as that happens because our lungs were designed um, to function with at least 20% oxygen in the atmosphere, whereas Mars, I think, has about 1.5% oxygen in the atmosphere. So it's not going to go well with you. You're going to die pretty quickly um, because Mars is not designed to sustain human life. It's not our basic, our most basic and inherent needs as human beings are not being catered for there. Our lungs are not able to breathe there. Um, so then you might come home and you're like, you're coming to Earth and we're coming home, right? But, but are you really home? If you think about it here, we're, we're also dying. <laughs> we're dying a bit more slowly. It takes a couple of years. But eventually we will, we will become fertilizer, right? If you're not cremated or some other way of... We're going to die, right? Everyone, everyone we know is going to die. Everyone who remembers anything we ever did, everyone we love is going to die. It's a matter of time. Some people die more quickly, but we're decaying. We're, we're going backwards as we are on Earth. Um, I know this is not like, woo-ha, <laughs> you know, but it's a fact, so let's face facts. <laughs> um, so it's like, it, this, it can't be home, you know. Can home really be a place where I'm, I'm, I'm busy dying? Right? Can home really be a place where, where love seldom lasts? Where people we love and, and, and the people that love us eventually die? Where a place that can't sustain the most inherent, the most basic needs of us as human beings? Um, I, we also saw a movie recently about this little girl, um, very bright girl, and she, she grew up with her uncle. Um, and then the court decided, for whatever reason, it would be better for her development to stay with foster parents. And there's a powerful scene where she goes and she's, she's dropped off the, at these foster parents. And before she goes, the uncle goes to inspect and he has to, you know, sort of both parties has to mutually consent that this is a good place for her to be raised. And it's a beautiful home. It's a couple that seemingly loves each other. Um, they've got a piano. She's been longing for a piano since, you know, um, as, as, as long as she's old enough to long for a piano. Um, <laughs> As opposed to her uncle's home, her uncle sort of fixes boats for a living. Um, he, they live in, a, in basically a shack, you know, there are lots of like rodents and insects and things. Um, you know, she's got this, this amazing uh, natural talent that, that he's not really developing, that they will specifically develop. So, you know, like on paper it seems like the better deal, right? But when she's, she's dropped off there, she's obviously broken, you know, she's distraught, she's incredibly emotional and she w desperately wants to go back to live with her uncle. Why? She, she can recognize that that is not home because she knows what home is. She has experienced what home is, right? And therefore she's able to say, this is not home, I'm not at home here, I'm not, I don't belong here. Um, 
you know, if she had come from, a, from an orphanage or from a, another very traumatic past, then perhaps she would have embraced it and perhaps it would have been, wow, this is amazing, you know, this is moving up in the world. But because she knew home, she knew family, she knew community, she could recognize that, wait, this is, on paper it's good, but this isn't home. Um, the Bible also addresses this. Um, in Romans 8 verse 23, um, the ESV says, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We groan inwardly. And um, Paul here is, is, is specifically writing to the, the church in Rome. Um, so he's writing to the church, right? He's writing to believers, to Christians. But this applies as much to um, believers as non-believers, right? We long for home inwardly. There's something that is saying, like, this, this can't be home. I'm desperate to belong somewhere where my most basic needs are met, where, where it's home, right? The, the New Living Translation says, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And... Um, yeah, as we were praying, we, we were just praying for tonight um, before the service, and, and one of the things that came up is um, temptation. I'm, I felt like the Lord was saying there's a couple of people here that are struggling with temptation. Um, you're being tempted in areas where you feel specifically vulnerable, and um, the Lord is just saying that He's with you, right? Um, scripture says that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us, but we have a high priest who has been tested in every way like we have. Therefore, let us boldly approach the throne of grace. I want to encourage you by saying that, that temptation is not sin. Right? Sometimes the enemy wants to bring that lie that when we're tempted, that's sin and we feel guilty. Right? The sin comes in when we respond to that temptation. Um, but I think for many of you, the temptation is actually an opportunity to glorify God right? by choosing Him. Um, and he gives the grace to be able to choose him because Jesus was tested in every way like that. Scripture says he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able to bear. But even in the temptation, he gives us the outcome um, for that temptation, right? He sets us up for success. Even though that, that temptation is, can be hectic, can be very real, right? It can feel like it wants to consume you. It can feel like your body is responding and there's no other way. Um, Jesus gives, gives another way. Um, yeah, we long for home, and we long for a home where we not, we don't have to struggle and wrestle with this temptation as well. It says to be freed from the sin and suffering in our body, right? And I have good news. This, this longing for home is a legitimate longing, right? There's nothing wrong with you if you experience that. It's a legitimate longing, um, wherever you're at in your, in your faith journey. C.S. Lewis says, um, he says the following, A man's physical hunger does not prove that man will get any bread. But surely a man's hunger does prove that he comes of a race which repairs its body by eating and inhabits a world where eatable substances exist. Right? Sometimes you have to read C.S. Lewis a couple of times before you... <laughs> Basically what he's saying is, while being hungry doesn't prove that you're going to receive food, Surely it proves that there is such a thing as food, right? 
So while longing for a home doesn't necessarily guarantee that you will go home, surely it proves that there is such a thing as home. Right? Um, Jesus says in John 14, we're going to be spending a lot of time in John tonight. Um, He says in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. How good is that? He says, you know, the disciples had the privilege of walking with him face to face. They knew him as a human being. But he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. I go away so that I can prepare a place for you, a home within my Father's house. My Father's house has many rooms. Um, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Right. Well, that begs the question, what will home be like when we get there? What will it be that is going to satisfy that longing? Right. We know we have that longing. We know it's for home. We know it's a legitimate need that will be fulfilled. But how will it be fulfilled? What, what will home look like? Um, John 17, verse 1 to 5 I'm going to read it and then I'm going to focus on specifically one of the, one of the verses. Um, the ESV says, when Jesus had spoken these words, and perhaps let me just backtrack for a second. Um, this, is, this is while um, somewhere, or either during or between the, the Last Supper and um, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is arrested by, is betrayed by Judas and arrested by the Roman soldiers. Um, and John 14 talks about Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15 talks about the vine, right? Um, John 16 talks about a lot about the suffering and the struggles that we'll experience in this world. Um, and then chapter 17 is called the high priestly prayer. So it's, it's Jesus praying the entire chapter. The first part that I'm going to focus on is Jesus praying for himself. Uh, then he prays for his disciples. And then he prays for the church or those who will believe um, through the work of the disciples. Um, so when, when Jesus had spoken all these things, um, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorify you on, glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your, in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That's, um, that's, that's a picture of intimacy with the Father, right? A picture of co- confidence in his Father's heart towards him. He knows that the hour has come, and he knows what the hour means. He knows that he's going to pour himself out finally, completely, every last drop. He's going to be publicly humiliated. His body is going to be broken. And, and the wrath of God is going to be poured out on him and him separated from his presence. Right? He also knows why that's happening. But he doesn't say, he's not passive about that moment. He says, the hour has come. Father, glorify your son that the son may glorify you. So even in him, even in, in him asking the Father to glorify him, it's not for his own sake. Glorify me so that you may be glorified, right? That's the Son's heart towards the Father. Glorify me so that you may be glorified, just as you have given me authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all. So the reason God gave him all authority was so that 
Jesus could give eternal life to all those he had given him. Right? God gives him that authority so that Jesus can give eternal life. And then the third verse is, um, is to me, um, what I want to spend most of the time on tonight. And this is eternal life. Right? We spoke about home, or that longing for home to be, be satisfied. This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What is eternal life? Eternal life, if you had to ask someone that, what would they say? They'd probably define it in some, you know, some abstract concepts of time and space. You know, eternal life is there's you know, no beginning and no end, or uh, it's in heaven, or um, you know, it's living forever. God is saying eternal life is that they know you the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing, knowing God. Right? Um, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this knowing is not, I, I went to, to go look at this word knowing. I read a, a couple of commentaries on, um, on the original language and the knowing is not just an acknowledgement. It's not just a, I agree with a list of facts. Um, this is a, a very deep knowing. Um, and it's, it's an experiential knowing. Um, one of the commentaries say, this knowledge of God is not merely intellectual, mere information. It is clear that the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ entails fellowship, trust, personal relationship, and faith. Right? So it's knowing God intimately through relationship is eternal life. That's what eternal life is going to all be about. Right now, we have an opportunity to know Him to an extent. Then we will know Him fully for who He really is. And that's going to be what life is all about. There's so much to Him. There's such a richness to His person and to His character. And He invites us to not only agree with that list of attributes, but to experience it in relationship. Um, this knowledge of God is not merely intellectual, mere information. It's clear that the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ entails fellowship, trust, personal relationship, and faith. Another one said it is to yield the whole soul to Him and strive to obey His law. Eternal life is not so much everlasting life. It includes that, living forever. What the scripture is saying it's not as much that as it is personal knowledge of the everlasting one. Knowing the Father being reconciled to Him fully. None of His character being hidden from us. None of us prohibiting us, limiting us, because the sin and the temptation and the suffering and all of that has been dealt with. There's nothing that stands between us at all to know Him fully and to be one with Him. So essentially home is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. This is eternal life, knowing to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. Right? So we know that we long for home. We know that being home is knowing the Father and the Son. Um, and although this knowing will only be perfect, will only be complete when we see Him face to face, we get to enter into that now, right? We can, we can begin to know the Father right now and grow in that knowledge. And so we can actually bring a portion of eternal life to now, right? Life here on earth. That's the prayer, right? 
Um, Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's experience what you've stored up in heaven, what you've prepared in the kingdom right here, right now. Right? We're always going to be growing. We, we, might, we will never on earth experience the fullness, but we, we can get close. <laughs> right? But when we see him, um, that's all going to be all going to be good. I, I like what Annie said. I was, I was discussing some of my thoughts with Annie, and, and he said, you know, the thing is that when you want to get to know someone, you have to get to know them on their terms. If you plan on building a friendship with someone, um, I need to do what they enjoy doing, right? I need to find out how do they experience relationship. What does quality time mean to them, Right? Um, I might love to go to the movies, but my friend is, you know, he loves cricket matches, right? If I really want to, if I'm serious about this friendship, I want to spend time with him where he's himself, where he's enjoying himself, I do it on his terms. Same in a romantic relationship, right? Um, if you don't know that, then this is a free tip, okay? <laughs> um, spending time with that person on their terms, getting to know them on their terms. And so what is, what is God's terms for getting to know him? It's Jesus, right? He says, um, Jesus says when he prays that you have given me all authority so that I may give eternal life to those you have given me, right? So relationship comes through Jesus. Um, John, John 20 verse 31 also says, you know, I love that verse. It's such an such a, such a interesting verse. The preceding verse, verse 30, talks about you know, if all the things that Jesus had done had to be recorded, it would fill all the books in the world or exceed all the books in the world. It's such a beautiful way of putting it. Um, but then the scripture says, these things have been recorded um, so that you may believe right, that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Um, and when our sin has isolated us, Jesus has been given authority to give us the gift of eternal life, right? How do we receive it? We receive it by believing in Him. We receive it by saying, Jesus, you are, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You are the anointed Messiah that was sent to save the world. Um, and we believe in you. We put all our faith in you. Um, but he's also, the, he's also the exact representation of the Father, right? He represents Him perfectly. When we look at Jesus, we look at the Father. He says in John 14 as well, they ask him, but you know, how do we see the Father? How do we know them? And he, he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Right? He says, when we have seen him, we have seen the Father. He says he is the only way to the Father. And we see this confirmed in that God has given him authority. Um, I also thought back today, I was, I was talking to Lauren about um, about some of these things, and I realized a massive shift in my relationship, in my journey with God, came when um, God gave me a promise. When I was, I was with um, uh, an Angus Bucken event in my second year at university in uh, was 2008, and you know, I'd been trusting God for breakthrough in certain areas. I'd just been so struggling, and you know. Yeah, there was, I'd, I'd almost lost hope. And I was sitting in the session and God, the session was about, the session was about um, 
like how, how farmers should treat their laborers. Right? And I was like, okay, I can't really, although, although I have the Hilux Bucky now, I can't really, um, you know, relate to this. And my mind sort of wandered. And I remember it was the first time that I knew without a question that God had spoken to me. It wasn't audible um, in the sense that, you know, I could hear it like I hear the, this mic right now. But it was very clear and I knew in my heart that God had spoken to me very specifically. And he said, give me two promises. And he said, I'm going to restore your relationship with your dad. Right? So that, up to that point, um, big breakdown in my relationship with my, with my dad. Um, and my parents, my parents' marriage was basically on the rocks when I was in f 15. Um, they never got a divorce, but it sort of deteriorated from there. Um, and he said that I'm going to restore your parents' marriage. And um, he just gave me these two promises, and I just started weeping. Um, as I'm seeing Kobus now, I remember Kobus inviting me to this event, and I did not want to go. <laughs> right? I was very insecure in my, in my masculinity, in my manhood at that stage, and the thought of, you know, how, how many was it that? 80,000 Buddha, Wimis, you know, Angus's farm, all showering together and all of that. I was just like, not my scene, I'm not going. And I was avoiding quivers that all week, but he found me every time. And <laughs> eventually, against my will, I went. I think we ended up sharing a tent that weekend. Um, and God gave me this promise. I don't remember anything else about that weekend. But um, this morning, when I was reflecting on that, I felt like God was saying, um, that that's actually a secondary promise. The primary promise is that you would restore my relationship with him with my father, right? And that he would restore my marriage to Jesus, who is the, the groom, right? And we are the bride as the church. Um, and that is a promise to every one of us here tonight. Um, it's based on scripture, so it's true, right? That he um, promises to restore us to himself and that we rest restore us in marriage in union with Jesus, Jesus Christ. When I think about that movie, uh, coming back to that movie with that little girl, um, part, of the, part of how she knew that she wasn't home was she didn't know the father. She didn't know this person. He was a stranger. Right? She knew her uncle, who was her father figure. And that's how she could recognize that this wasn't home. So we have this longing, right? For home. We know that that longing is fulfilled when we know the Father and Jesus whom He has sent. Um, but we know that the way that we get access to that eternal life is also through Jesus um, and believing in Him. He is the one that, that makes that way. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.